You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Hey, we've been spending the month of January speaking faith into your life. We've been speaking uh, over you the word and and what God has placed in our hearts for this year, and that is that we believe that this will be your year to advance, a year of advancement, a year to break through, a year where you will not be stuck in the areas of your life that you were meant to move forward, you know, that you will step into your purpose, that you will move forward and move further in your destiny. See, and we believe in speaking it, and we've been declaring it in our desire and prayer is that faith may rise within you. Is that faith and hope may rise in your hearts so that you get to see what God is doing in your life and that you can uh, um, really advance this year. And last week, Alini spoke on this theme and she spoke uh, and shared an amazing message called Run Home. And if you haven't heard it, if you weren't here, I highly encourage you to go listen she shared a practical steps that you can take uh, when you mess up, when you make a mistake, because we're bound to, right? We're bound to make mistakes. We're bound to, uh, uh, to mess up, to, to uh, do things that we didn't intend to. And uh, when you do that, the best policy is not to hide. When you do that, the best policy is not to isolate yourself, but it is to run home. And she gave you a few practicals, especially rooted in humility of what you can do. So I encourage you to do that. And today, today I want to conclude this theme of advancement uh, that we have been on in January with the message titled, Can You See It? Can you see it? And I want to start with a passage found in Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. I'm reading from the ESV version, and it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, in this letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul taps into something really powerful. He unveils an understanding of their history that's really, really powerful. Right around chapter 4, he begins to refer to Abraham and the heroes of faith. And it's almost as though he goes back in history to the inception of the people of Israel. He goes back to Abraham and begins to make a case for the fact that what they have experienced, what they have witnessed as a people from the days of Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection was one large, big, enormous metaphor. It was a metaphor. It was a type. It was a material representation of a greater, immaterial, spiritual truth. And he begins to make a case for it, including in this passage, saying that it all culminated in Jesus. What was then was a shadow. What was then was a material, physical representation. 
of what we're living now, including the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, including what he went through in his flesh. See, yes, he died and rose again. Yes, he lived as a man, but the life that he had in the flesh was not contained in his body. It wasn't self-contained or restricted to his body. That life is expansive and it expands all the way to you and I here today. And Paul was saying just that, that Jesus' material death, Jesus' physical death is representative of you and I, your and mine, immaterial death. That there is something about what he lived in the flesh that represents a greater truth of what you and I live in the spirit. The immaterial reality then is truer than our material experiences. That's his claim. That the immaterial reality that we see in Jesus' life is truer, stronger, more powerful than our material experiences. Now you know this. And you don't have to be a God-believing person, a Jesus-believing person to know this. You know this. This is something that we experience. It's very logical. And it's something that you and I live by. It's a, it's a God principle. It's a biblical principle. But everybody experiences it, this. One great example is marriage. You probably know someone who is married. Or maybe you are married yourself. And if you are married here in the room... <clears throat> the bond that you have with your spouse, the connection that, we have, that you have, did not originate with the marriage certificate, did it? It wasn't the marriage license that all of a sudden made you spark in love. The bond and the covenant that you have with your spouse did not originate with the ring. When you bought the ring, when you gave the ring, when you exchanged rings... It wasn't as, if, as though when you put the ring on, my God, I just love you now. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe the power was right here in this material thing. No. The bond, the connection was immaterial. It's, it's the devotion. It's the love that you feel for each other. So much so that if you're here right now, and your marriage license, wherever it is, gets destroyed, if there is something in the town hall that, that happens and it burns your license, all the records of your marriage, it'll do nothing to your bond. It'll do nothing to what you feel for each other. If you lose your wedding band, if it breaks, it won't do anything to your marriage. Why? Because the bond, the actual marriage, is immaterial. Even the physical expressions, even the expression of affection and intimacy that you experience is a representation of the immaterial feeling and devotion and love that you have for each other. Now, if that gets broken, if the love gets broken, if the affection gets broken, if, if love is not nurtured and and if, if, and I'm getting a little bit on our next month series here, right? The relationship series. But if that inner part, if the bond is, is attacked and broken, you can photocopy your marriage license 200 times. It's not going to do you any good. You can go buy 20 wedding bands. It's not going to solve it, right? You can even go try to synthesize 
that bond again by getting physical. But it's just not going to be there. And if you haven't witnessed that, God bless you. That's great. But if you have witnessed that kind of break, that kind of breakage in a, in a love bond, you know that this is true. And this is the, the principle in principle, this is what Paul is referring to. He's saying, listen, power, meaning, love, hate, fear, joy, mercy, grace. These are immaterial truths that influence and govern our material experiences. And being a great philosopher that he was, he was able to look beyond history. Paul was able to look beyond their history as a people, beyond the Jewish history, and make the case. That everything they had gone through was based and representative of an immaterial reality that is very understandable and very logical. See, this, there's no enigma when it comes to the gospel. There's no enigma when it comes to why Jesus had to come in the flesh, why he had to die in the flesh and rise again, and why that power extends to you and I here today. There's no enigma. It's very open in the scriptures. And what Paul infers in, in, in the book of Romans and also in Corinthians and also in some other passages that he writes is that the actual slavery that the people of Israel went through in Egypt is representative of a immaterial slavery that every one of us face in the flesh. That the actual uh, time in the desert, in the wilderness, is representative of a true, real desert that is immaterial, that you and I face. And sometimes it's more barren and more dry than an actual desert. Sometimes you want to get on a plane and say, take me there, I'll, I'll take that instead. <laughs> I'll take sand and no water instead of what's going on in here because it's just a barren land. And he's also saying that the promised land is representative of an immaterial kind of life that Jesus came to bring you and I that is extended to you and I. And therefore, his death and resurrection has a powerful, powerful meaning and represents something really powerful to you and I here today. And it's truer, even though it was so powerful what he suffered in the flesh, it's even more powerful what we get to enjoy in the spirit. Now, to understand this, to advance, to move forward, to see breakthrough this year, I believe that this is a truth, this is a, 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 an understanding, this is a revelation that you got to have in your spirit. you got to have it in your heart. And you might be here today and you're not really a Christian, you're not really a God person, a church person, and you're here checking it out. And i got to tell you, this is for you too. This is for you too because the cross of Calvary and what Jesus went through wasn't just for religious people. See, Jesus didn't die just for his followers. He didn't die just for people who believed in him. In fact, some of his own disciples didn't believe in him until he rose again. He didn't die just for those who believed in him. He died for every single person who was cut off from a relationship with God, who was cut off from this immaterial life, who lived confined and, 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 and contained in the flesh, in the life and the realm of the flesh. In other words, he died for every single one of us. He suffered for every single one of us. And he had to do it in the flesh. 
He had to do it in the flesh to redeem those who were in the flesh. He had to come as a person and suffer in the flesh to redeem those who could not see beyond the flesh. But because he came in the flesh, we get to enjoy his life in the spirit. Because he was here in the flesh, we get a portal. We get a way into this immaterial life that is available to you and I here today. See, it's only unusual when you hear it if you have not experienced it yet. It might be strange if you haven't tapped into it. Because the moment you take that step, the moment you decide to walk in it, and you begin to experience this life, you begin to experience this uh, abundant life that Jesus came to bring, it feels just right. It's like your home. It's not strange. It is very, very familiar. And in your heart, you begin to say things like, man, it's like I found myself. It's like I'm, I'm my true self again. Or I, I'm the person that I've never been, but this is who I am. This is really who I am. When you take that step of faith, that begins to happen. Now, this kind of life that we're talking about, this kind of breakthrough, you can't experience apart from the cross of Calvary and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You can't. But you have to understand that the way it applies to your life, it's immaterial. And it's greater in the immaterial realm than it is in the material realm. It's greater in the spiritual realm than it is in the natural realm. And Paul understands this. He understands this, this duality of what Jesus lived and he culminates, he brings it together and he shares one goal, one objective he shares that is one of the primary objectives of what Jesus came to do and why Jesus died the way he died and rose again the way he rose again. And he shares in that passage we read and he explains it and that, that, that the, the, the culmination, the, 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 one of the main points is that you and I, may experience and may live in newness of life. Newness of life. And I want to park right here today. Because for some of you to advance, you need that newness of life in you. You need to walk into the new. You need to step into the new. You need to see the new. So we're going to talk about that for a minute here. But before I get into two things, I want to share two things with you, two practical things. They're connected, and it's things that you can do. But before I do, I just want to, you know, uh, tell you what newness of life is. Very simply, newness of life is experiencing this life with God. Newness of life is to live in real, real freedom. It's to tap into this life that exists in the immaterial realm and invite it into your heart, invite it into your life, invite it into your actual life as to allow this life of God that is wonderful, beautiful, perfect, and amazing to shape your natural life. And in it, you'll find freedom. So that the life that you have in Christ, because you have been crucified with Him, the life that you find in Him is ridden of all the limitations that you might face in your body. That's a purposeful life. That's a meaningful life. That is walking in newness of life. So before I give you the first thing, I want to ask you a question. And this question is going to sound like it's something from the left field, but it's not. It's all going to come together. So just flow with me here, okay? But let me ask you this. Can God forget? 
Can an almighty God, all-powerful God, all-knowing God, who lives outside time, space, and matter, can he forget? Can God forget? Ooh. It's okay. You don't have to answer it out loud. Just keep thinking about it. Because it depends on how you understand forgetting, doesn't it? It, it depends on our understanding of forgetting. See, forgetting for us is a fault in our system. Forgetfulness is an experience. We experience forgetfulness in a passive way. We experience forgetfulness in, in a way that is not active. It's not objective. It's passive. When it happens to us, it's typically a fault in our memory. That's the way we see forget, forgetting. Forgetting for us is a bad thing, typically. Is a bad thing. In fact, we have devices, right, to help us remember things. I know I have every Sunday afternoon, I have a reminder on my phone. A reminder that says, take the trash out. Because at 5 in the morning on Mondays, I hear the beep, 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 beep. That's a trash truck. And there's a little satisfaction in me when I think in the middle of the night, I took the trash out. I can rest. But when I don't, I feel like I need to run out there. Wouldn't it be weird if we made devices that had the same kind of memory we do? Is, am I the only one who thinks about that stuff? Like you work all day on a document, and then you go to bed. Next morning, you come back, and your computer goes, I'm sorry, man. I was paying attention. But, you know, I can remember half of it. You know, but then, you know, I hit the slump right there in the afternoon, and here's half of your document and some bits and pieces there in the middle, but I'm sorry. I promise I was paying attention, but we were at it for so long. How about you get to work in the morning, and you're late, and you go to your supervisor or the person you're working with. I'm sorry, it happened again. My phone forgot to wake me up. Don't use that one, okay? My alarm forgot to ring. It just, you know, we don't do that. We program things to remember because we value memory. Forgetting is not something we value. But can God forget? Here's a passage in Isaiah of God himself speaking through the prophet Isaiah, prophet Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for, for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. This is God. And I, I, my encouragement for you here today, and this is my first point, is that we need to expand our, the way we see forgetting. We need to expand the way we understand and we see forgetting. Taking a cue from God right here, from the principle of this scripture. Because God himself, in that scripture, he's at an impasse. Like he and the people of Israel, they're not seeing eye to eye. The people of Israel walked away from God, betrayed him, and lived a lifestyle that was not according to the covenant that they had. It's not according to the agreement that they had. And God himself said, listen, I will blot out what you've done wrong. I will erase it, and I will choose to forget it for the sake, for my sake, but really for the sake of our relationship so that we can move on, so that we can go beyond this place that we are right now. The only solution is to forget. See, forgetting is more than memory loss. Forgetting can be more than a passive fault in your brain. 
Forgetting can be an actual tool, a powerful tool. It can be an active tool of peace. Forgetting can be an active tool of healing. Forgetting can be a way forward. When we engage forgetting in, a, in, a, in an objective way, not in a passive way, but in an objective way, in an active way, forgetting can be an acid. Now here's where forgetting can be bad. When you forget who you are. When you forget what you were called to do. When you forget the promises of God for your life, that's bad. When you forget that God has brought you through what God has brought you through. When you forget the victories that you've had in the past, that's bad. But forgetting can be a very good and positive thing. And I want to encourage you this morning because this is a God principle. This is a principle uh, uh, centered on the cross, really. The cross is all about God wiping our sins and moving forward so that we can move forward. And for some of you, this is the thing that holds you back. This is the thing that keeps you looking back. See, you can't see a way forward because you keep looking back. You can't see what's ahead because you're attached to what, to what happened, to what's in the past. And so we need to forget. We need to let go. And how do we do it? And this is where the second thing comes in. Another passage from Isaiah I want to read. Chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. To forget, we need to remember not. To forget, we need to consider not. We need to remember not and to consider not. We need to understand this, and this might be hard to hear, but you need to hear this. The thing you experienced, the thing you lived, the thing you had, the thing you missed, the thing you lost, the thing that in the past that you desire, it's gone. It belongs in a different season. It belongs in a different time. And for some of you, you need to hear this, that it's not coming back, especially the good. Sometimes we can clap and be happy when the bad doesn't come back, and that's what we want. But we can be attached to good things that are in the past as well. We can be attached to a former glory. We can be attached to former victories and never see what's ahead. And God is saying, listen, there's a new thing brewing. There's a new thing cooking. But for you to see it, for you to be able to see it, you've got to remember not what's in the past. You've got to let go of that attachment. See, sometimes we can try... To retrace our steps to a form of time where we enjoyed life a little bit more. We can try to relive it by wearing the same clothes and eating the same food and having the same life schedule and try to go to the same gym and do the same things and watch the same shows. And in it, we try to synthesize a way back to a previous former glory, a former life, a former time. But it's not there. And here's my encouragement to you, because there is good news. There is good news. We need to remember not. And this doesn't mean that the physical, actual memory is going to go away. It might be that you will always remember. It might be that it was so, uh, uh, such a, a wonderful part and, and, and amazing part of your life. Or, you know, it might, be, it might have been something that was so powerful that you, you can't forget, actually forget. But forgetting doesn't mean that, you know, you don't know it happened. 
Forgetting means it doesn't hold any power over you. Forgetting means that when that memory comes and when that, that thing comes, you immediately actively say, you know what? It has no hold over me. It has no power over me. It cannot hold me back because I am moving forward. You choose to remember not. You choose to consider not. And that's good because there's good news in it. And the good news in it is that God is doing a new thing and there's newness of life. In God, once you do that, you are able to look forward and see and see the new and embrace the new. This is important, especially if you're in between, especially if you feel like you're in the desert and you're in the wilderness. You got to see that God is making a way in the wilderness for you, that he's putting rivers in the desert for you. And he will make a way where there seems to be no way. So can you see it? Can you see a better future? Can you see a better future for your life? Can you see a better year ahead of you than the year past? Can you see better results, results ahead of you? Can you see greater peace, greater joy, greater grace over your life? Can you see greater harmony in your family? Can you see greater victory in your, in your conquests, in your fights? Can you see a greater future? Can you see it? See, 15 years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching you out of stuff that I've lived, and I'm preaching to myself here this morning because 15 years ago, I left my family. And it was a wonderful time that I had, and I, I, my wife and I left my hometown, left everything behind, and went to the land that God shall show us. <laughs> Felt very Abrahamic, <laughs> except we didn't have that Abraham money. <laughs> but but it, was, it was good. We were young full of faith, and we left everything. And when we had settled, when we thought, this is good, we're here, we got friends, we got family, got kid, we are our first kid, and things are moving, and we got plugged into a wonderful church, full-time ministry, things are good. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. We are living in the abundant life. And then we felt called to Stanford again, to leave everything again. And remembering not, and considering not the past has been something that we've had to practice. See, I've, I've learned this. That every time God calls you to leave something. Every time calls, God calls you to sacrifice something. Every time God calls you to go somewhere and to remember not the former things. It's because he has a vision for your future. It's because there is something ahead that he's trying to get your attention to see. He's trying to say, hey, don't look at that. You've already lived that. Don't look at that. That's in the past. Look at what's ahead. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Behold, I'm making a way in the wilderness. Yes, and I'm making rivers in the desert. There is a future in God's heart. And with God, you've got to understand that with God, there are don't, no losses. There are no losses with God. You do not lose the old without Him making a way for the new. And today I want to encourage you to release the old, just like we did. I'll tell you why Alini and I took a cross and Alini and I sacrificed and Alini and I chose to not remember the former things and moved into the new. It wasn't because we were looking for an adventure. I think the most adventurous thing I've done is to go on a roller coaster. That's, that's not us at all. Like, we, we are people of faith, but we are not unwise. You know, it's not because we had nothing to lose. We had a lot to lose, and we lost a lot. We lost a lot of, of things, that, that, that relationships and, and contact and 
support and all that. It wasn't because we're spiritual, extra powerful spiritual people. We're not. We're just like you. We're just like anybody else. Actually, we looked for no's. We, we really wanted people to say, don't do it. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. It's not for you. God is not in it. We looked for it. We went through the ringer. We got vetted. We went through conferences and things and got set down, had people asking about all of our stuff. We surrendered our credit and social security number and say, look at it. Can we do this? Say no. Because <laughs> we knew it was going to take a lot. But then, then it's almost as though God pulled back the curtain a little bit. It gave us a glimpse of what was ahead. And ahead was you. It was you. It was this church. It was the people that have come along. And once we saw, you know, faith became stronger than fear. Once we saw, we couldn't consider the former things anymore. anymore. Once we saw what God was about to do, we had to go. We had to do it. And we still see. I got to tell you, we still see, and I'm sure you see it too. You see what God is about to do with this church. You see what God is doing already with this church. I got to tell you what I see. I see these empty seats filling up. I see them filling up, not so we can brag on full seats, but we can brag on full lives. Lives that are full, connected, being freed, freeing, and then being mended by the power of God. I see, I see. I see men standing for what's right. I see men blessing their families. I see men blessing their kids, their children, being an example of what a man is supposed to be like. I see men honoring women, not looking at them as an object of pleasure, but looking at them as equals. I see men honoring women, empowering women, and allowing women to be all that God created them to be. I see men who are mentors to the fatherless, to a fatherless generation. I see women. I see women who are rising in strength. Women who are supporting other women and moving forward. Women who are healing our communities. Women who are leading our communities. I see women rising in this community right here to be a beacon of hope. Women who are nurturing and women who are kind to their family and their husbands. I also see a youth and young adult generation that is on fire for God. I see a youth and young adult generation who is so given to God and so willing to give it all for the sake of his church, for the sake of his cause, that they are being the light and hope of our community. I see a generation of youth and young adults who are so on fire for God that never again will we read on the headlines of teenage suicide. Then never again will we read on the, on the headlines of teenage overdose because they know where the source of life is from. They know that this material life depends on immaterial life that comes from Jesus Christ, our Savior, and that gives us a purpose and, and will for living. I see it. I see a church community rising, caring for the poor, caring for the destitute. I see it. 
I see a community, not of Republicans and Democrats, not of blacks and whites and Hispanics and, and Asians. I see a community not of the right or of the left, not of majorities or minorities, but brothers and sisters united in the love of God, loving one another, living the maxim that Jesus came to bring, that we are to love one another and be united. That's what I see when I see Connect Community. That's what I see. I see you. I see you stepping into your future. I see you stepping into the life that God has promised you. I see you living with no hindrance. And for some of you, this is the last step you need to forget here today. You need to look at your life in the past and make an effort to forget. The things that you are proud of, amazing. Keep the pride, but forget the former things so that you can move on to what's ahead. For some of you, this is the last step. You have gone through forgiveness. You have gone through, you know, healing. You feel like you can stand again. And you're standing and you want to move forward, but you can't because you're attached to the past. And today you need to forget. And I want to give you an opportunity here to forget today. Because being attached to the past will cause you to fail to see. And some of you here, you're attached to past things. Like failure. Maybe you failed in the past. Maybe you've, you've, you've tried things and it didn't work out. And now you look at yourself and this is all you see. You can't see past this. This is blocking your vision. Today, it's time to forget. We're going to forget. Yes. Maybe for you it's loss. You suffered loss. Maybe loss of things or maybe loss of people. Somebody walked out on you. You gave them your heart and they walked out on you. Someone left this earth. And there has been no closure in your heart. And you don't know what to do about it. And every time you try to move forward. Every time you're trying to move past. You are hit with the sting of thinking that if you let go. You're not honoring their life. It's not true. It's time to let go. It's time to forget so you can move on. Though maybe you're here today and you have regrets, things that you have done that nobody knows, that, you, that, you, that, that only you know. And these are the things keeping you back because every time somebody speaks life into you, every time somebody believes in you, you fail to believe yourself. Because you think if you knew, if you knew what I've done, if you knew my past, you knew that I cannot do what you're saying. It's a lie. That's holding you back. And it's time for you to forget. It's time for you to make a choice. To remember not the former things. Don't remember your regrets. Forget. Maybe you have suffered injustice. I have a few more. Maybe it's something that was done to you. You had nothing to do with it. You had your best you know, heart forward. And, and somebody walked into your life. And it was just not fair. It was not just. And you can't get past the fact that you have suffered injustice. And nobody knows the pain you suffered. Nobody can come into your life and say, I, 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 I see what you're going through because I've been there. Nobody has been there. And this has been holding you back. It has been blocking your vision of the future. God has a life of justice and fairness for you in the future. And you can't see past the injustice. I'm inviting you today to make a decision to forget it. And put it past you. To forget it. 
You know, maybe you've been abandoned. Maybe you've been intentionally abandoned and you don't understand why you don't feel loved. You don't feel lovable. You can't understand why. And every time you try to give yourself to somebody or to engage into a new relationship, you begin to get anxious because, you know, the abandonment comes back and say they're going to leave too. Don't give your heart. Don't love fully. You know, it's going to happen again. And if that's you today, I want to invite you to forget, intentionally forget today. And maybe you've been betrayed. You gave all of your heart. You gave all of your, heart, of your, of your soul. You gave all of your love. And you got back hate. You got back the, the unmentionable things that you suffered. You've been betrayed. And you don't know how to move past it. I got to tell you, God has a life for you that is a life of fullness, a life of belonging, a life where he will never betray you. He will never let you, uh -uh. he will never fail you. It's time to forget. You need to forget. Now, this is, a, this is, a, this is an intentional effort to remember not the former things. This is an intentional effort. To remember and consider not what, he has, what, what has passed. But to understand that God is doing a new thing. And like the scripture said, now it springs forth. Can you perceive it? Can you see the new? I want to invite you to see the new this morning. To see the way in the desert. To see the rivers in the wilderness. Do you receive it this morning?